This is your hour and the power of darkness. Jesus says this to the forces arrayed against him. Day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. Most obviously, Jesus is talking to the chief priests, the officers of the temple, police, the elders who had come for him. He's addressing the officials, those who are feeling most responsible, most anxious, most caught in the middle between a growing movement, possibly the beginnings of yet another insurrection that will be ruthlessly put down by the occupying Roman forces all around them. They're trying to do the right thing. They're trying to avoid inciting a riot themselves by arresting Jesus at night. They're trying to avoid the Roman powers keeping the peace through violence as well. The officials are trying to protect their Jewish identity and to have some measure of independence of thought and action, especially in regard to the practices of their faith. The last thing they need is a disturbance in the force when Jerusalem is packed with the faithful gathered for the Passover. In this, their interests allied with the Romans, after all. To good people, trying to exercise responsibility, but people who are not recognizing that sometimes change is not incremental and not something that comes from consensus, but sometimes change comes from being urgent and being right to those who do not recognize this truth. To the officials, Jesus says, this is your hour and the power of darkness. And then there's Judas, one of Jesus' intimate friends who walked with him from Galilee, dined with him at the home of Lazarus, who was apparently trusted with the funds that Jesus and his group were able to cobble together. Luke explains that Jesus, that Judas' actions were those of the devil. Luke 22, 3-6, then Satan entered into Judas, called Iscariot, who was one of the twelve. And he went away and he conferred with the chief priests and officers of the temple police about how he might betray Jesus to them. They were greatly pleased and agreed to give him money. So he consented and began to look for an opportunity to betray him when no crowd was present. Other Gospels suggest less that it was Satan and more that Judas was born and created for this betrayal so that God's will could be fulfilled. Perhaps he was disappointed that Jesus was not the kind of Messiah he expected. Or maybe this whole story of Judas is a creation of the early church and part of the origins of Christian anti-Semitism. Betrayal, whatever its genesis, whatever its reason, is an ugly thing. A breach of trust. And to betray with a sign of friendship to betray with a sign of trust, to betray with a kiss, the ugliest betrayal of all, a clear perversion of what is right and good and holy. And so to all those who express disappointment and anger and even disgust at the Son of Man, especially those claiming some kind of inside or superior knowledge, some judgment about what is going on, to the apostate and the atheist, Jesus says, this is your hour 
and the power of darkness. The other disciples, of course, are there with him, well, sort of with him. He tells them to pray that they may not come into the time of trial, the same time of trial or testing or temptation that we pray to be spared whenever we pray the Lord's Prayer. It is the same time of trial that Jesus is facing in his own prayer. It's the time when the question is called, can you live with integrity and be the person you were created to be and put your whole trust in God's grace and love, even in the face of inevitable suffering, even in the face of likely death? In the time of trial, we put our life on the line for faith or trust that the one who gave life in the first place brings new life even out of death, and that the most important thing in life is keeping faith and not avoiding death. Is there some other way, Lord? Is there some other way? By the ministry of an angel from heaven, by the reminder of what is really true, by the alignment of the universe, Jesus is strengthened to answer as we aspire to answer in imitation of our Lord's prayer, Thy will be done. But the disciples are sleeping. Overcome by grief, maybe, but sleeping nonetheless. The reason's almost irrelevant. Keep praying. When you succumb to that temptation to let go, to hide, to withdraw, to indulge, to sleep, to say, what the hell, you are surely shutting down, perhaps welcoming death itself. Do not go gentle into that good night, rails the poet with all the force of the gospel. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. For when you succumb, Jesus says, this is your hour and the power of darkness. The poor are present too. The oppressed, the enslaved, victims the world over the ones who always, always pay a terrible price for violence of the powerful. It's a slave who is injured in the turmoil of all this anxiety in the darkness. It's the weakest who bear the burden when we allow violence to be an option in our responses to life. I confess that I have not been able to renounce violence as an option in a sinful and broken world. I don't want to carry a gun, and I don't want you to do that either, because sooner or later that gun is going to get used. But I want dangerous people imprisoned and virulent enemies resisted with force when necessary. I'm going to resist evil with everything I can, but I recognize there may be times when I'm just one more relatively powerful person creating another situation for which the poor will end up paying the price. If that's true also for you, and I bet it is, then in those moments, Jesus is also addressing us and saying, this is your hour and the power of darkness. But to the rich and the poor, the slave and the free, the perpetrators of violence and the victims of violence, Jesus also says, no more of this, and offers his healing touch. Enough. No more. In this hour, the power of darkness is revealed for what it is, the mechanism by which we try and manage our anxieties, the ways in which we intentionally and unintentionally create victims, 
the multitude of ways in which we fail in the time of trial. This power of darkness will be revealed in these three hours while we keep watch and bear witness. And as the veil of the temple is torn, so what is unveiled is not only our mechanisms of violence, but also a new way, a way of absolute integrity, a way of absolute trust in God, even in the face of death. God's healing touch is present in the world even now, often through us. But before we rush too quickly there, we must sit for a while with the chilling judgment, as Jesus says to all of us, to every one of us, this is your hour, and it is the power of darkness.